You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to church this weekend. We're so glad you are with us here and then in the uh, multiple rooms across this building as well. Every one of you, we're so glad that you are here and praying that God would specifically be working within your life. Um, If you have a Bible, maybe you can open that to Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't, there might be a Bible in front of you. We're also going to, the verse I'm going to be reading and speaking from uh, will be on the screens as well, because here's why. Um, God's Word is a supernatural book. The Bible is a supernatural book. It has been used to change lives since it was written. This is what God uses to reveal His truth of the most important message there ever was, the message of salvation from sin found in His Son, Jesus Christ. So just as we get into God's Word here today, I just want to pray and ask the Lord for His help uh, so much. Father, we do ask for Your help so much. I think of the hundreds and hundreds of people here right now, Lord, and just um, so many different circumstances, so many different situations represented, so many different places of hearts and feelings and fears and joys. I pray in Jesus' name that you will make this a supernatural time. Your holy book by your Holy Spirit and lives get changed. So would you do that now, Lord? Oh, God, please, would you be speaking as only you can? I am absolutely useless apart from you. And so we invite you, we beg you, Lord, to communicate your truth as you can. And when you do, Lord, people will not remain the same. So thank you for every heart gathered here now. Thank you, God, for the privilege of this moment right now. In Jesus' name, if you agree, you can say Amen. Amen. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Check it out. Such a beautiful verse. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government, government means authority. The government shall be upon his shoulders, the shoulders of the son. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and I want you to notice the very first part of verse 7 as well, of the increase of his government. So the government is said twice in these one and a half verses, of the increase of his government, his authority, and of his peace, that's also said twice, uh, there will be no end. Again, one of the more beautiful passages in Scripture, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The Christmas story is a wonder. I mean, it is a wonder for the eyes of faith, and that's so key, the eyes of faith to be set upon the Christmas story. It becomes incredibly beautiful, glorious, astounding. For the eyes of faith, they see Christmas, they see for it for what it is. It is the turning point of history, and we're going to find out why today. And we put, it, put ourselves in some Christmas context uh, let's take Mary, for example. Mary as in Mary and Joseph. Just imagine being Mary. You're a poor peasant girl. You're probably 13 or 14 years old. I mean, just consider that. Uh, you live in a town that's not thought of highly at all. Nazareth. Nazareth. So you just imagine the town nearby that you think is like, eh, okay? We won't mention any names right now, right? But Picture that town, and that's what we're talking about here, really. You're Mary, you're, 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 you're a teenager, you're grinding it out through life. You're an ordinary girl living in an ordinary town in an ordinary time. Now, one of the themes we find in the Christmas story is God loves to dwell and work within the ordinary. 
Maybe you're here right now and you consider yourself ordinary. It's amazing how often we look up in life and we kind of worship these celebrities and worship those with tons of money and we worship those who have this responsibility and we see ourselves and there we are, just, just ordinary people kind of slugging through life. Perfect. That's who God uses almost always. He's not looking for the pompous and the elite because they often don't need anyone beyond themselves. But the ordinary, the humble, those just find themselves kind of trudging through life. Yeah, yeah, God, God's got a big heart and mind for those. So here's ordinary Mary, and something extraordinary occurs. The angel Gabriel appears to her, coming from the very presence of God. Think about that. From God's presence, the angel shows up and, and says, a child will be born from you, but this child is not like any other child ever born. This child will be conceived of the Holy Spirit. So you're Mary, and you're like, pregnant virgin. Hmm, how does that fit together? Only God can make that fit together. This child will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be granted a throne and a kingdom that will never end. And then you are told this child will give, that you will give birth to. This child will be a son, capital S son, the Son of God. So when we're reading scripture, especially within narratives, like we're referring to now, in the Gospels and the Christmas story, you want to enter into, you try to imagine, what's it, what, what must it have been like to be Mary? You try to imagine her emotions and her feelings. So imagine you're Mary, you just, this angel shows up and says this message. I mean, initially the confusion, the amazement, the wonder, Mary's mind and Mary's heart, and you try to put together the truth that you just received, but then imagine the moment that the light bulb goes off by faith. You perceive, you get the truth, you believe in what you just heard. One moment you're a poor peasant girl, the next moment you're bearing and giving birth to the light of the world, the hope of the nations. Listen, the Lamb of God. It's at this moment she understands that God is giving through her the gift of life, the gift of grace, the gift of his son, and listen so carefully, Christmas is such a big deal because at Christmas then, God is giving the only gift that humankind will ever need. The only gift we actually need right into eternity. So, back to Isaiah 9. Did you know through the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, before the gift is officially given, 700 years before this, Isaiah is used to prophesy of this event, prophesying of this gift of grace, prophesying of the gift of the Son. He begins to articulate and detail who this gift is and what this gift will do and what it will be like. He shows us the magnitude of the gift, the beauty of the gift, the wonder of the gift. So I have four kids at home and there happens to be a couple of presents under the tree during Christmas time and each child will find the gift with their name on it and they will pick it up and shake it. And they will feel the weight and they'll try to, hey, don't peek, kids. Get your hand away from that, right? But they try to peek and say, can I, what can I find out about this gift? I want to know its inherent value. I want to know how it's going to bless me. And so they try to examine it. That's what's happening right now in the book of Isaiah. 700 years before the greatest gift ever is coming, there's a detail, a description given as to who and how and why this gift is going to be given. So it becomes pretty exciting to unwrap this a little bit. So what do we learn about this gift from the book of Isaiah here? Well, number one, we, 
we learn this. We learn primarily and fundamentally it's a gift of God. This is a gift of God. I don't, I don't just mean a gift from God. I mean, this is a gift of God. Again, look at Isaiah 9, verse 6. Uh, to us, a child is born. Now notice, a son is given. Now there's repetition here on purpose. The child born, but here's the gift, the son is given. Now at first glance, you might think, well, it's saying the same thing, isn't it? No, 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 it's not. The child is not ultimately the gift. Why? Because children are born all the time, every day. Thousands of children born across this world. But only once in history has a son been given, this son. The son of God himself. So again, this gift isn't just from God. you got to hear this this Christmas time. At Christmas, this gift is God himself. The gift is from God, but more importantly, the gift is God. So today and tomorrow, maybe this week, will be like, hey, what'd you get for Christmas? What'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got a new toy. Oh, great, great. I got a new shirt. Oh, that's exciting. I got a new, I don't know, got a new gadget. Oh, it's, it's, but um, actually, I did a bit of research this week, and here are the top gifts of 2017 as we're approaching, all right? <laughs> I'm not sure why that's always so funny, but apparently this is like, this is like, this is like top of the list, instant pot. Some of you were like, I so want that. I so want that. Nudging your husband right now, right? Yeah. Here's another gift that's really popular on the list, 2017. Full fur wrap. I'm so disappointed. It's not my color, right? A lot of people are excited about that as well. There's another gift that's high on the list. LOL surprise. I got four kids. And I don't even know what this is. I mean, maybe to my shame. I'm not sure. But uh, I think kids are pretty excited. Maybe some adults are too. Oh, Nintendo Switch. Yeah, that's way on the top of the list, too. There's always something new, isn't there? There's always a new gadget. Why? Because the new ones get old pretty quick. Remember that. Remember that. Smartphone-obsessed people we are, right? Gadget this, this, and that. And then, anyways, back to our little list here. So, next one. What do we got? Oh, Google Home. Yes. Google, can you please walk the dog for me? Google, can you make me breakfast? Oh, I only wish, eh? That's not true. It's amazing, though. This is becoming really popular. Of course, there's one more here as well. Fingerlings. No! <laughs> ah, so you look at this list. This is the top presence right now of 2017. One word, underwhelming. <laughs> at least as I see it. But here's the thing, okay, now ready for this. And what I'm about to say, I speak truth from God's word. Like this is on it, what's coming right now is for everyone here who has faith to believe and a savior beyond themselves. Hey, what'd you get for Christmas? I, I got a fingerling, oh, great. What did you get for Christmas? Okay, in all seriousness, by the faith and the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ, you could say today, what I got for Christmas? I got God. I got God. Jesus Christ. The greatest gift ever given is the gift of the Son of God. When you believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives within us. He takes up residence within us. We become new creations. We are born again. John's Gospel chapter 3. We are literally go from death to life. The greatest gift ever given is the gift of His Son, which actually becomes to live within us. Imagine the power and the beauty of being able to say, this Christmas, I got God. That makes Google Home look, eh. God, Google Home, God. 
Really, I mean, I mean, this is what we're talking about today. You are here right now. You think you wandered in here by accident. By God's grace, you are here face to face with the word of God. He's speaking to you. He loves you so much. He's seeking to get your attention and reveal to you the answer to life, the power of life, the grace of forgiveness of sins and that which holds us back, the solution to misery, the love that overcomes hate. This is all before you today in the gift of God at Christmas time. No wonder Mary, when she hears the news, is just like, whoa, this is, this is overwhelming. She's comprehending that the Son of God is coming to earth. The ruler of the universe, listen, is going to be placed in her womb. Now here, how's this for a thought? She has the Son of God growing inside of her. Okay, wait, wait, wait. The one that allows her heart to beat. The one that formed every cell in her body. The one that causes her lungs to breathe and her mind to think. The one who knew her before the foundation of the world is now growing inside of her. That hurts my brain when I think about that too much. This is what's happening here at the unveiling of the gift of Christmas. It's also why in Isaiah 7.14, it's prophesied. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Why Emmanuel? We've sung it a lot already today. Emmanuel means God with us. Matthew's gospel tells us that. See, so this is why when you truly start to unwrap the gift at Christmas, when you have faith, you don't see the baby in the manger only. You see Jesus Christ. You see God himself. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Here's a great quote by Ray Orland. He says this. He says this. Now listen carefully. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us. Let's just stop right there. Think of all the terror we feel in this world. Some form of terror is everywhere. Some of us right now, we're riddled with anxiety. We're overcome by fear. We're just so fearful of our safety and our children and our future and we're fearful of our past coming up. We're just terrorized by the thoughts and the plague, the guilt, the shame, the bitterness, the anger. We're just terrorized with just sin all around darkness. Fearful of losing jobs and fearful of and health, fearful of death. We're just terrorized. Hear the power of Christmas today. God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. Because the child is the son, the son of God. One of the things we have to do at Christmas time, okay, and for some of us, this has never been done before. You have to make Christmas personal. Christmas is so much more than Frosty the Snowman. It's so much more than Holly Jolly Christmas. It's so much more than Rudolph. Make Christmas personal. How? Do this. You have to see that when Jesus Christ came, this was a gift given for you. Okay? For you. Like for me. But make it personal. Don't think about the person around you right now. You have to see Jesus Christ came as the Son of God to live and die for our sins, be raised from the dead. Listen, for you. So now it's not just something in the distance that you see, oh, that's kind of a nice little thing. No, 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 no. This was given for you. He came for you. Why? Because he loves you so much. The gift of God. Like, make it personal right now. 
Think about it. All the hurts you have, all the fear you have, all the plague of darkness, Jesus Christ came as a gift for you, for you. Why would he do that for me? For God so loved the world because he loves you so much. That's the joy and the power and the grace of Christmas. It's incredible. You're like, but I don't deserve to be loved that way. Why would someone love me and take all my sin? I said, I know, I don't get it either. Yet this is the love of the God of the universe, that he wants us to be in relationship with him. He gave his son. He gave his son. We won't even give five bucks most of the time. He gave his son. That's how much he loves us. See what's happening? Like Isaiah's unwrapping the gift a little bit, and we're seeing it's the gift of God. Number two, we see this. It's a gift of glory. It's a gift of glory. Isaiah 9 verse 6 continues, the government shall be upon his shoulders. This means this baby will be a king, but not just any king. He will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So why did the king come? Again, I love it. The baby's the king. The king came to announce his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ came, lived, grew up, and began preaching. He was telling the world, man, I'm here. And he opened the door wide to his kingdom. You know what's amazing? This is the kind of king Jesus is. He opens the door to his kingdom and says, anyone with faith, come in and reign with me. He's not a king that stomps on the peasants and says, get out of here. You be my slave. Jesus says, you can be a co-heir with me. Everything I receive from the Father, Jesus says, all through the Gospels. My whole inheritance will be your inheritance too. Every spiritual blessing in heaven is yours if you believe in me by faith that I came to live and die for your sins. Open the door wide. Come and be part of the kingdom. Be royalty with me, Jesus invites us. That's incredible. That's the gospel. And how many people are like, I don't want that. I don't want that. You don't want to be royalty with Christ. You don't want forgiveness of sins. You don't want to be loved by the Father of the universe. That's why he came. That's why Christmas is such a big deal. Glory to God in the highest. The king is here and he's opening up his kingdom. And you know what? The door's still open today. It's still open right now. The door flings wide. For some of you, you've never seen the door open this much than right now. It flings wide open to you right now. And Jesus is like, if you believe you, come on in, man. Come on in. But here's the thing. The door will not stay open forever. Jesus Christ will come again. We sang about that today too. And when he comes again, man, the door gets shut. At that point, we learn every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, at that time, man, this, this is the age of grace. It's the age of undeserved opportunity. It's the age of love. It's the age of invitation. That's why he hasn't returned yet that more people might be saved from themselves. When he returns again, though, he's coming to oppose and judge all those who have rejected him. But you see, right now we see the gift for what it is. It's incredible. It's beautiful. Jesus Christ, the government, shall be upon his shoulders. He's the one who judges the living and the dead. Think about that. He carries the weight of the universe on his shoulders. You and I, we struggle getting through each day. I mean, this Christmas season, so many of us have been so stressed about shopping and food and getting things done and running around and we're fighting for parking spots and getting so angry about this and that. All day. We're just, we're, we can't make it through a season. Jesus Christ carries the government of the world and the universe 
upon his shoulders. So think about that. Isn't it amazing then that the king of kings comes as a baby? I mean, think of the humility of our God. We would never, that would never be our plan. The king of the universe is coming. Let's send him as an infant. We would never do that, but God would. Think of how, think of how helpless infants are. Okay? So I said I have four children, which means I've had four infants. They are utterly reliant as an infant. Think about it. Infants can't dress themselves, can't feed themselves. They certainly can't change themselves. All they do by themselves is cry, occasionally smile, and poop. Right? It's just true. So just think then. Think of the humility for to us a child is born, a son is given. The humility of the ruler of the universe coming as an infant. The humanity, but also the deity. The text continues in verse 6 of Isaiah 9. And his name shall be called. His name shall be called. So you know when you go to a meeting or a gathering and you're kind of meeting people and you got those name tags that say, hello, my name is, right? I just, when I'm walking around, you can carry one just in case I need anyone. As if, I, hey, my name's Robbie. Hey, not too impressive. There you go. That would be my name tag. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's look at the name tag of Jesus, okay? If you met him at a gathering or a party, okay? So here's the name tag that he's uh, showing from Isaiah 9, verse 6. Uh, Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So you're just like, hey, my name's Robbie. Nice to meet you. Mighty God. Okay, let me put this away. All right? I'm feeling pretty embarrassed right now, right? And yet the amazing part is, is mighty God loves me. The mighty God says, no, 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 I want to get to know you. In fact, I don't want to get to know you. I want to save you from your sins. I want you to become part of my kingdom. That's unbelievable. So we see these, these titles of the Savior of the world. Let's just kind of walk through them. Wonderful Counselor is his name. Now, wonderful. Why is he wonderful? When you see Jesus Christ for who he is, man, wonder fills your heart. Listen, listen. No one has ever truly, I emphasize truly, no one has ever truly seen Christ before and been bored. You say, no, 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 I've been to church lots of times and been bored. No, 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 you don't understand. You understand. It's not going to church. It's seeing Christ truly with eyes of faith. No one has ever truly set eyes of faith upon Jesus Christ and remain unchanged. He's that beautiful. He's that wonderful. He is astoundingly majestic. There's no one like him. He is... He's radiant in glory. And the first time I saw Jesus Christ, you gotta know, like, I grew up in a home where some version of religion was being spoken, like, weekly, if not daily. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 no. I got no time for that, man. I'm living for self. And you know what? Self ran out at the age of 22. Broken and busted, man. Everything wasn't just, just the, the emptiness of the world finally looked up by God's grace. I saw Jesus Christ truly, I could, I could tell you this and that, but I truly saw him. Never the same again. I've never seen someone more beautiful, more awesome, more glorious, more loving, more gracious, more powerful, more wise, more sufficient. Never, ever. You set eyes on Jesus Christ and instantly everything else in the world is seen for what it is, Nothing. No one compares to him. He's wonderful. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the perfect counselor. Think all the books we be trying to get help, all the knowledge we're trying to attain. 
There is no one that compares to the wisdom found in the counsel of Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. The counsel of the world ultimately leads to death because the Bible tells us that the counsel of the world is under the authority of Satan. I mean, just, just, just look around. Read the paper. Watch the news. It's not going great. It's not going great, people. Just look at the heartache. Look at the emptiness. Look at the frustration. Look at the anger. Look at the violence. Look at the... Just, just look. The counsel of Jesus. Well, the person of faith says, the ways of Christ, the counsel of Christ will never, ever lead me astray. Not those who truly see him. Don't listen to those people that are, say they know Jesus, but completely do the opposite of what he says. They're false. But to see those who truly follow Christ and his word, they know that Jesus will never lead them astray. The counsel he's giving right now, right now, he's giving counsel through his word. I got nothing to say apart from the Bible. Nothing. The counsel he's giving right now, if it's received by faith, your life will never be going in a better direction. Wonderful counselor. His name is Mighty God, the text says. So again, hello, my name is Mighty God. So one of our favorite Christmas songs here at the church is Mary, Did You Know? And the bridge of this song says... The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the dead will live again. The lame will leap. I want to sing this so much, but that would be horrible for you, all right? <laughs> the dumb will speak, and the praises of the Lamb. I can't, I can't sing it, but, but this is the next best thing. Let's play that right now. Oh, this is so good. I'm so listening to that right after the service. It's so good. So good. All right, now listen, listen. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. Lazarus, come out, Jesus says. Who can do that? Only God. Mighty God. The lame will leave, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. And his name shall be called Mighty God. Mighty God. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. Again, the single most powerful person who has ever lived because he was mighty God. Everlasting Father is next. Why everlasting? He has always existed. Cults, false religions will say Jesus was created when he was born. Nope. Always existed as God. When he was born, he becomes man. Fully God, now fully man. Everlasting Father. Why Father? He will come in the pattern to rule and the pattern of the one who sent him. Some of us have had horrible experiences with fathers. Not him. He is a father that is perfect. A father that loves perfectly, that cares perfectly. A father who comes, listen, to help those who know they are helpless. You know what's amazing? The greatest reason people are not helped by Jesus is because they don't believe they need any help. What is that? It's pride, right? Think of the pride that, that, that plagues our lives, right? Pride says, I don't need help. I don't need your help. Get away from me. I don't, need, I don't need you. I can do it. I'm my own help. But that's just foolishness. We all need help. The moment we see our sin for what it is, then we really need help. 
You see? So when we see our desperation in the reality of our sin, we'll get there in a second, that's when we look up and say, I need a father. I need a father who can help me, who can love me, who can care for me because I am helpless. I need a father who's also called the Prince of Peace. Our final name and our final point as well. So when you unwrap this gift, you see it's the gift of God, the gift of glory. Now we see it's the gift of peace. So Jesus is called here the Prince of Peace. Why? Why the Prince of Peace? At the center of this title, Jesus is the complete person. Now follow me here. If you get this, this is powerful. God is holy. Man is sinful. That's a problem for mankind. Because God is holy, he cannot coexist with sin. Why? Because if he says he is who he is, then in his character, sin cannot coexist with him. Only perfection. If he can coexist with sin, then he's not holy. God is holy. Man is sinful, so therefore there's a massive separation, the chasm of sin between mankind and God. But Jesus comes down as the gift. Jesus comes down as fully God. He can relate to God perfectly because he's fully God. Jesus comes down and takes on human flesh. He lives without sin, but he's fully man. Now he can fully relate to man, humankind. So the only person in history that can be the mediator truly between man and God is Jesus Christ. He comes and dies on the cross that we might go from sin to everlasting life because he paid for our sin, made the payment for our sin, that God now no longer sees our sin. He sees his son in us if we believe in Jesus Christ. Man in sin, God is holy. Jesus Christ in the center, bridging the gap between the sinfulness of humans and the holiness of God. That's why he's the Prince of Peace. You see, peace is needed. In our sin, apart from God, the Bible calls us, Romans 5, we are enemies of God. We are hostile to him. But in Jesus Christ, when we are forgiven, we become friends of God. Not just friends of God, we become children of God, adopted into the family of God. Another way to put it is when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were in harmony and perfection with the Lord. They choose to sin, bam, separation. The moment they sin, God can't coexist with sin, they are banished from the garden. And here we are, all these years later. That's why Jesus came. Listen, as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. So no wonder then the angels announce, right? Luke 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see what happens? Peace, peace what? Peace of, of man being reconciled to God. That's the gospel. That's the glory of the gospel. The gift of peace is here. This is the announcement 700 years before Jesus came. The Prince of Peace. So we sing, O Holy Night. O Holy Night is such a famous, famous Christmas hymn. But let's just, this is verse 2. Just think of what it's saying. It's incredibly beautiful words. Truly Christ taught us to love one another. Because his whole law is love. The whole purpose of why he came. God so loved the world he gave. He gave his son. And his gospel, gospel just means good news. His good news, his message is peace between man and God. He comes to reconcile us. Chains shall he break. Now, why chains? Because, because the wages of sin is death. Romans 6. Sin puts us in bondage in a prison cell of death. 
We can't, we try to break, by the way, if you're here right now and you think, oh no, I break the chains by being a good person, but you'll never be good enough. You need to be perfect, okay? And if anyone's here right now and you think that you've never sinned, just ask anyone who's known you for more than, let's say, mm, an hour, all right? And they'll be sure to tell you, no, you're not perfect, man. You've lusted. You've told a lie. You have not loved God with your whole heart. You have experienced jealousy. You have stolen something. I mean, it takes one, one. And you got chains that you can't break. But Jesus can. Jesus Christ comes at Christmas to break chains. For the slave is our brother. We're all slaves to our sin. But notice, but in his name, all oppression shall cease. So think of the oppression even represented here, here, right now. The oppression of our sin in the forms of darkness. The oppression of shame and oppression of guilt, the oppression of addiction, the oppression of sexual immorality, the oppression of just the weight we feel of dissatisfaction as we go through this life, not really realizing why we're even here. Jesus Christ came as the gift to cause all oppression to cease. No, so you, you take this gospel right here and then, of course, sweet hymns of joy. Uh, yeah, this is pretty good news. You mean I'm set free from my sin? You mean I'm forgiven? You mean I'm a child of God now? You mean I'm no longer in judgment of hell? Now I'm going to heaven with Jesus? Uh, yeah, good day, good day. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus. Do you want to be grateful? Do you know how hard it is to be grateful and grumpy at the same time? I say that a lot around here, right? You got to try really hard, right? I'm so grateful, so grateful, right? It's hard to do, it's hard to do. Where's the greatest form of gratitude ever? The gospel. Why? Why? It overcomes every situation. When you know you're alive in Jesus Christ and you believe that you're going to be in glory with Christ in heaven forever and ever, that makes your bad day not so bad because you're not living for now. You're living for what will be. In grateful chorus, raise we. We all sing together because what could be more happy and more joyful than the fact that we've been set free from ourselves in sin? Praise the Lord, right? Let all within us then, everything within us, why? Jesus, you gave me everything. You died for me. And now in response, not because I'm earning your love, because you've given me your love, now what I do is give my life to you because I love you so much because you've loved me first. The Prince of Peace. Question, in all seriousness, you and the Lord right now, you, before the Lord right now, Question, do you have peace? I'm not talking peace. You sit down for 30 minutes and watch your favorite television show, okay? I'm talking eternal peace. Like, again, loved ones think about, you're here right now, man. Don't waste this. Who knows when you get back here again in this moment of the truth of eternity before you. If you died today, do you know where you go? What do you believe? Do you have, why is the number one fear of humanity death? Because they're so terrified of what's next because they don't know. And deep down, there's a sense that we're not here by accident. And really, like, just look around for a second. Really, chance? Really? I don't have enough faith for that. But I got faith for design and Jesus Christ. There's a God, and he loves me, and he loves you, and he sent his son to be the gift of peace. Let me ask you, 
Are you here today and are you frustrated, resentful, anxious, fearful, restless, uncertain? Are you here today? Are you addicted, angry, dissatisfied? Lacking contentment? Are you here today? Listen, listen. Are you, are you empty? Just empty. Because that's what the world results in. It's a temporal satisfaction that runs out all so quickly. But Jesus never runs out. Jesus lasts for eternity. Do you have peace? Jesus said in John 14, 27, he says this. Listen to this. He says, and I, I cannot stress enough how much this is for you today. This is, this is the word of God speaking directly to your heart. You're here, you're overflow, whatever. Like, just take it for what it is. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Notice, notice he says this. The Bible's so awesome. Not as the world gives, because the world can't give this. It promises it. It can't fulfill it. It doesn't work. Not as the world gives, right? Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I've done multiple Christian believer funerals as of late. You know the power of believing in Jesus Christ? You stare death. And the Bible says, you look at death and you say, death, where's your sting? Death, where's your victory? Death, you got nothing on me. I'm not afraid of you, death, because actually when I die, I actually start to live. This is the reality for all those who are in Jesus Christ because they have peace. There's peace with God. They know where they're going, why they're going, who they're going to. The world wishes. This is the gift of Christmas. This is the gift of peace. You know, so... The amazing thing about the gift of Christmas is that what's happened today is the gift is being described. So you can look at the gift, right? And you can, you can, you, you can articulate portions of the gift. You can, you can describe how it looks and, and kind of like, you know, how it might relate. And you can say, well, you're beautiful. And what happens is you can so often see the gift from a distance and maybe Christmas Eve each year you walk by and you go, oh, that's nice. That's, that's, that's kind of pretty. And you walk by again the next Christmas Eve and say, oh, look at that. There's the gift again. It looks really nice. And just move on. Forget all about it. But here's the thing. The gift is presented to you. But if you just keep walking by it every year, you'll never actually take the gift for yourself. How do you receive the gift? One word. Faith. Faith, what faith does, it takes the gift and owns it for itself. So you see the gift in its beauty. Faith goes up and says, this gift is presented. I receive this gift as my own. It's not good enough to intellectually look at it, examine it, even admire it, tell other people about it. But you never have for yourself before actually taken the gift by faith. But when you do by faith, this gift becomes yours and it starts to live within you and changes your life forever. Think about it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He gave, that's the gift, Christmas. That whoever believes, oh, whoever believes, believes, received by faith, will never die, but have everlasting life. He opened the gift, eternal peace, 
eternal grace, all your sins forgiven, past, present, future, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, never to die again. Oh Lord, oh Lord, may I have eyes of faith to receive the gift of gifts, the King of kings, the one who was sent for me. Why, why? Because he loves you so much. Hey, hey, today, Jesus Christ comes right up to, right up to you personally, and he says, I'm telling you, man, this is what's happening. He says, here's my gift. Will you receive the gift? He holds it up to you. He holds it to you right now. Do you want the gift of love that allows you to conquer death? You say, how do I receive the gift? You believe that you have sin that needs to be saved by Jesus Christ. You turn from sin. You admit you need a savior. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, ruler, savior of your life. And when you do that sincerely, life is never the same again. Hear me. This isn't about being a good person. We'll never be good enough. This isn't showing up to church once a year. That'll never work. This is about embracing Jesus Christ as who he is, the greatest gift ever given. Let's pray. And Jesus, I do pray right now. This is, there's no coincidence today. This is um, under your sovereign will, 100%. I, I just, I ask so much, Lord. The day you saved me, Lord, I just, I remember it as like it was yesterday. I, I couldn't believe just the, the vision of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden it made sense. There he is. He came to die for me. I need him. And I, I'd never been, never been the same. In some ways, Lord, life has never been harder, but it's never been greater, never been better. And I know where I am and where I'm going and why I live. I pray that truth would be received upon hundreds even now. Hundreds are here right now where the gift of peace is extended to them. I pray they would say to you, Lord, I believe. I believe. I believe. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Save me from my sins. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry, Lord, I have rejected you this far. But now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come and live within me that this Christmas, I could say with all sincerity, this Christmas, I got God. I got Jesus. That would be awesome. Yes, Lord, may it be so. And then for the first time ever, Lord, for the first time ever, we could sing with faith, with a voice of faith, these Christmas songs that all of a sudden have become real and life. May it be so. May it be so in Jesus' name.